You're tuned in to Your New Mexico Government. I'm your host, Khalil A. Colonna. Criminal justice reform has been a long-standing issue here in New Mexico. Probation and parole are the words of the day. Finding a way to stop the cycle of imprisonment is a task not only for law enforcement and our local communities, but for lawmakers as well. Today, my guest is Jeff Proctor, contributing editor for the Santa Fe Reporter. He breaks down some of the steps that lawmakers are taking this session to do just that. Now, this conversation is deep and it contains a lot, so we're going to get right to it. Criminal justice reform is the issue of the day. My guest for today, Jeff Proctor, a contributing editor for the Santa Fe Reporter. He has a wealth of knowledge about these issues, and I want to break it down. Jeff, happy Friday to you. Happy Friday to you. It's good to be here. It is good to be with you as well. Okay, so just for the listeners out there who do not know, because not everybody knows this information, can you explain the essential difference between probation and parole? Uh, Yes, absolutely. That's a great way to start, actually. So probation generally refers to people who have had part of their sentence converted into supervision that doesn't include incarceration, or they've been sentenced to supervision instead of incarceration. Okay. Parole, uh, conversely, is for people who have served a prison term um, and have been released from prison and are going to remain under some kind of state supervision for some period of time after their release. All right. All right. That's, I think that's good for everybody to know to put in context for our discussion. Now, what are some of the essential problems with both probation and parole that we're facing here in New Mexico? Um, there are kind of a couple of different buckets of problems that we have uh, with both the probation and parole systems here. First, both uh, exist under the same division. Um, in state government, and a couple of the local courts have their own probation divisions. For example, Metro Court here in Albuquerque has its um, kind of a standalone probation division that supervises people. One primary problem that you'll hear a lot about at the legislature during the session and um, at interim committee meetings um, between legislative sessions is a pretty serious officer shortage. Um, They've been running pretty short-staffed in the probation and parole division, for honestly about as long as I can remember, maybe 10 or 15 years. Wow. Um, They also really struggle with retention. So the turnover rate for probation and parole officers is incredibly high. So that's sort of one bucket um, of of struggles that that division uh, has historically had. The other is, um, and this will uh, ultimately get us to the bill that we're going to talk about that's working its way through the legislature now. Um, The other problem has been that the probation and parole divisions have historically taken sort of a, a, a punitive approach to people who are on probation and parole. Um, and what I mean by that is once you get assigned uh, to, to probation or parole, you have a number of conditions that you're um, required to abide by, comply with. Those will be things like in a domestic violence case, for example, you can't have contact with the alleged victim in the case. Mm-hmm. Pretty obvious stuff. Um, In other instances, you'll be required to give up your right to uh, have a firearm. Um, In almost every case, you are not to uh, possess or consume any illegal drugs or alcohol. You're not to uh, go to bars, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So um, what has happened historically is that when people violate even the most technical of the conditions that they've been set for probation or parole, that has resulted in them 
going back to either jail or prison for some period of time. Um, that can tend to be a really disruptive um, act or a really disruptive thing in people's lives. There are a lot of studies that sort of point to the 72-hour mark of being incarcerated where things really start to go off the rails for folks. They lose jobs. They get evicted from apartments. They lose uh, custody of their children. And these are all kinds of things that tend to create the cycle of recidivism for people. Um, so, you know, you've, you've lost your job. You've lost your apartment. Your kids got taken away by the state. Uh, that increases the chances that you might um, go out and commit a new crime. And end so, up back in the system and create that cyclical, cyclical um, destructive nature. Exactly. And in some instances, um, you know, people will start to commit escalating types of crimes. If they're in on property crimes and get violated on a number of occasions, before you know it, um, you might see people moving on to crimes of violence, armed robberies. Their addictions get worse. Um, so that has historically been um, in, in, in large part, the way probation and parole have um, operated in the state of New Mexico. And frankly, we're not unique. That, that happens all over the country, and it happens in the federal system, too. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the purpose of the bill that we're talking about today, it's House Bill 263. Um, it's got a, a big sort of uh, cast of characters sponsoring it, real, a real bipartisan list of sponsors that people went and looked, um, and, including people who are pretty – uh, ideologically opposed on a lot of issues, like, for example, Mo Maestas, who's an Albuquerque Democrat and somebody who has been thought of for a long time in the legislature as a criminal justice reformer. He's one of the sponsors, and one of his co-sponsors on the bill um, is Bill Ream, who's a, a, a former mm-hmm. Bromeo County Sheriff's captain um, who tends to be sort of more on the conservative end of criminal justice issues. For example, Representative Ream carries a three strikes you're out bill every year, um, despite the fact that it, it, it never really gets much traction. Uh, anyway, so it's a it's a bipartisan group that's sponsoring this bill that would that would take a step or two or make a nod toward shifting the come from for the probation and parole division from a punitive arm of state government to more of a restorative arm of state government. Okay. Um, so some of the changes, for example, and the bill would be the, the so-called technical violations, whether that's a, a first-time dirty urine analysis um, or you went slightly outside the zone of where you're supposed to go and a report came back through the electronic system from your ankle monitor. Those are what, what are called technical violations of probation or parole that have historically sent people back to jail or prison. Under the changes in this bill, in most instances, technical violations are not going to result in you going back to jail. All right. They may result in additional conditions being placed on you by the judge in your case or a little tighter supervision for the remainder of your time on probation and parole, but you're not going back inside. Okay, I like that because it's a little bit, like you said, less less punitive, a little bit more rehabilitatory, or at least giving people um, a little bit of understanding of the context of their situations. Now, you say, last year, I was looking at a piece that you wrote for the Santa Fe Reporter, and last year in your piece you say that a bill was passed with bipartisan support only to be vetoed by the governor after she received pressure from the state attorney general and district attorneys across the state. What is different about the bill this year? Um, There are a number of differences. So it's important maybe to go back and give a little bit of contextual history here about 
um, last year's bill and sort of what happened with that. Let's do it. Uh, it, it was, in fact, a bill that passed by not just by on, on bipartisan with bipartisan support, but on really wide margins. Hmm. It passed both chambers very easily. And that veto that you talked about, the veto message that Governor Lujan Grisham issued on that bill was was a really strange veto message. It essentially said, I don't want to veto this bill. I think these are important reforms. And in the veto message and in an interview with me, um, she really took the district attorneys and Attorney General Balderas to task for the way they went about raising their objections about the bill. They really didn't say anything during the legislative session when the bill was being debated. They waited until after the session, after both chambers had passed the bill and while she was considering signing it and kind of kicked out this real scary letter um, that, uh, that, that said, yeah, if you sign this bill, you know, the, the streets are going to be running with blood and you'll have flung open the doors to the jails and prisons and loosed, a, uh, you know, a host of criminals onto the already crime plagued streets of Albuquerque and the rest of the state. So, um, yes, I do think she felt some political pressure and ultimately decided that she had to veto the bill. But also in the message, she asked the prosecutors and the lawmakers to get together in the interim and come up with a compromise version of the bill because she really values this issue. She thought probation and parole needed to be reformed, which, you know, tangentially, you can see by some of the appointments that she's made to the parole board and to that division. Okay. So they did that. Um, the process was pretty stuck in the mud for the first kind of two thirds of 2019. Um, and then the, the prosecutors did sort of a markup of the bill and ultimately, the, the sponsors decided to um, adopt all of the changes. And so the, the primary thing that's different from last year to this year, there was a provision in last year's bill related to people who've been sentenced in capital cases to 30 years to life in prison. It's an issue I've written about quite a bit um, for New Mexico In-Depth and the Santa Fe Reporter, uh, that, that essentially after 30 years, those folks are supposed to get a fair hearing to be released on parole. They weren't getting fair hearings. Mm. So there was a tweak in last, year, last year's version of the probation parole reform bill um, that would have required a lot more of the state to ensure those folks are getting fair hearings. Um, that was the big primary sticking point for the prosecutors. So that provision has been completely stripped out of this year's version of the bill. Okay. Nothing related to the 30-year lifers. Another concern that they raised in their letter last year was that it took away too much of the autonomy and discretion from probation officers and judges um, when deciding whether someone's probation or parole should be violated and they should be reincarcerated. So this year's version of the bill, you see a lot, a, a lot more attempts to kind of ensure that POs and judges do still have some discretion, um, depending on the particular kind of, of violation we're talking about, as to whether or not they would um, issue a warrant in a judge's case or make the arrest in the PO's case. Gotcha. I got you. So they've come to, <clears throat> pardon me, they've come together, they've made these concessions on, 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 on both sides, it seems. Now, what are the chances, what does it look like? What does HB 263 look like, its chances of passing? You know, um, this is every journalist in the state's, you know, sort of favorite parlor game to guess hmm. early on in the session or sort of midway through the session, um, the chances of, of a bill passing or not. 
so just with that caveat in mind, you never know, especially when the session really hasn't started to pick up ahead of steam yet, you never know what the ultimate fate of a bill is going to be. But this is one that I'll be, I'll be publishing a story at New Mexico in depth next week about this issue. Um, the governor's folks are telling me that, that she is giving it a message, um, which means that it will be placed on the call and it will be committee assigned and debated. I think it's got a pretty good chance. Um, again, partly because of that like extreme bipartisan sponsorship, um, the governor is is behind the bill. The prosecutors are, I would describe them based on my reporting during the course of this week. They're kind of lukewarm about the bill, but they're not going to throw a fit if it passes um, in its present form. I would imagine we'll see some amendments um, going forward. I think there will be some push and pull as it goes through the committee process. Some folks will want um, you know, the, the bill to be harsher, stricter. Other folks will want to um, go more in the direction of that sort of restorative justice um, uh, uh, kind of trajectory that the bill was headed last year. So I do think you'll see some minor amendments. I think it has a very good chance of passing. Um, and if it does pass, unless something really drastically changes about it, I think the governor will sign it. Um, so that creates another piece that's difficult to prognosticate right now or to predict. But one thing is for sure, um, if it passes and is signed into law, there will be an influx of people who are under state supervision, but not incarcerated. So swinging the discussion back to where we started, that first bucket, um, listeners will remember where we talked about the resource issue in probation and parole. There will be more people on probation and parole if this passes and gets signed into law. And I think it's it's an open question right now whether we have the infrastructure to handle an influx, even if it's smaller than it would have been last year. Yeah, I was about to ask something related to that. I mean, with this potential influx, do you and seeing that we're going to have to build the re, the infrastructure for it, do we have a system here in New Mexico that really establishes rehabilitation for people who have been under probation or parole? Like, how, how do you feel? Do we have a really a nice restorative system to help people integrate themselves back into law abiding society? No, uh, that's not to say that there aren't programs and that probation and parole hasn't made some strides toward ensuring that people are getting the services they need so that they stay out of the criminal justice system. But in terms of having a robust safety net for people who are living with substance abuse problems, living with um, mental health diagnoses, people who are dual diagnosed, people who have um, struggled chronically with homelessness and poverty. We don't have a, uh, a robust system in place uh, to deal with that. And again, that doesn't mean that there haven't been um, some strides and some efforts to fix that. In Bernalillo County, for example, you know, the county has been collecting um, money from a tax increase to start to try to build uh, uh, something that would accommodate folks. So, yeah, yeah it, it, it's it's a really good question. And again, if if the question is, do we have a robust system in place to restore folks? No, but we do have a patchwork um, in place right now that at least is starting to head in the direction um, toward having something that would that would accommodate 
a new direction for probation and parole. Okay. Okay. And let's hope in next year's session, there'll be some legislation put forward to help make that system a little bit more robust. Jeff, I want to thank you for joining me and thanking, thank you very much for all of your reporting on these efforts. This is important information that we as New Mexicans need to know. My pleasure. Glad to be here. And he is Jeff Proctor, contributing editor for the Santa Fe Reporter. Be sure to check out his work. He does a lot of great reporting on the criminal justice system in the state. I want to thank Jeff and all of my guests for joining me here at your New Mexico government. I'm your host, Khalil Lake Have a great weekend and thanks for listening. Your New Mexico government is a collaboration between KUNM, New Mexico PBS, and the Santa Fe Reporter. Funding for our legislative coverage is provided in part by the Thornburg Foundation and the New Mexico Local News Fund.